Is anyone out there wishing for just a touch of magic to help make a beautiful ending for 2020? Well, my guest today happens to know a bit about magic. Melissa Joan Hart spent seven seasons playing Sabrina the Teenage Witch on TV and recently has worked some of her magic in countless Lifetime holiday movies that she's either acting in or directing or producing. And for those of you who remember her from Clarissa Explains It All, today is your lucky day as Melissa is going to explain all about how she juggles work and motherhood and how we can all make this holiday season a little more magical. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? We are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. All right. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I want you to know that you are the first full-blown celebrity to ever be on the Mom Force podcast. So this is a big milestone for us. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So many of us know you from your characters on TV. Clarissa, Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, but I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better on a different level as a mom. You've got three children. Is that right? Three boys. Boy, oh, okay. That is different. That's a little different. Teenagers right? too, right? Uh, one teenager and one about to be. Yeah. So, and yeah, one's going to be driving soon. It's all very scary. They say like, the, you know, the bigger the kid, the bigger the problems. I didn't realize that until recently. Okay. My oldest is 25 and I will, yes. Oh, that I need is, some advice then. It's true. But we're excited to get to know you and get a sneak peek in how you juggle it motherhood, career, family, especially in a year like this where we've had so many unique challenges. But first, can we talk about Christmas? You look so Christmassy sitting there and the red top and the Christmas trees. I noticed that the Christmas movie marathon on the Lifetime channel has already begun. And you, of course, are in one. You're kind of the queen of Christmas when it comes to Christmas movies. Well, I'll, you know, me and Candace Cameron can have an arm wrestle. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> big guns. So I don't think I want to mess with her. Have you seen her arms? I yeah. Mean, like, yeah. I'm, she's impressive. Just arm wrestle. Maybe um, <laughs> jello fight. I like wrestle. I mean, I um, grew up like <laughs> wrestling. That's, it's, it's weird, but, yeah, but it's a thing. I've been really, really lucky. So I started my first Christmas movie in 1986. I was 10 years old. And I was asked to go to Vancouver and do a movie with Sid Caesar and Catherine Hellman. And I want to say this is like the beginning of television movies. And it has been such a lovely new genre to be a part of, really. So I did Christmas Snow in 86. In 2006, uh, 2007, I did Holiday in Handcuffs with Mario Lopez. And I think, I believe it's still the highest rated original television Christmas movie. Well, with a title Um, like that in Mario Lopez, I mean... (laughs) I know, but what's funny is one of the girls who's actually my neighbor now, who was in it, who played my sister, Vanessa Evigan, she was like, we should do holiday in lockdown. That would be like the next holiday in handcuffs, holiday in lockdown. Like it just makes sense. I was like, yeah, brilliant. Actually, we we had such, that was such a funny movie. And then cut to 10 years later, Mario and I did another one together. And I've been doing these lifetime movies kind of endlessly now. Every year I do at least one. This year I got to do three. We were the first ones up and running after covid started. We had this one Feliz Navidad with Mario Lopez. He asked me to direct it and we were ready to go in March. Couldn't obviously make that happen and just kept waiting. We were ready to go. So we were just like, now, 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 all we do, all we got to do is figure out how to travel people in mainly from LA to Nevada so they could drive. So how do we, you know, how do we get people here? When can we start? We worked with the unions. We were the first DGA uh, Directors Guild project up and running, one of the first SAG. And we were able to get Feliz Navidad made in a safe great way with 40 crew members, keeping it really tight, very limited background and exposure. 
No one came on set that wasn't tested. We got tested once a week. Then the second movie, we decided to snowball that right into a movie I starred in called Dear Christmas with Jason Priestley. And that one, we were tested three times a week, same crew, same kind of bubble, only six speaking parts, no background, unless it's our crew. Um, wow. Notice in this movie, lots of COVID-friendly things happen that you wouldn't notice unless I tell you I'm running into the ball and everybody's already gone or hurry up. We need to get those cookies done because the guests will be here any minute. Or aren't you going to come join the party outside? And oh, like, wow. Okay. I'm going to watch yeah. for those. That's awesome. But my character in Dear Christmas is a podcaster. I heard that. I love that little proud moment. Did I should have called you and gotten some advice. <laughs> some tips. Did you do any research for that? Like, do you have favorite podcasts or like, how did you prepare for that role? I've just recently, I couldn't understand what podcasts were for a while. And I have to yeah. say it was maybe a year or two ago, right? When I, I was driving around LA a lot, I was working in LA doing a show called No Good Nick for Netflix. And my family was living in Lake Tahoe. And so I had a lot of time by myself, but you know, driving around LA, you're in your car all the time. And I was like, I'm going to need something to listen to. And so I found some podcasts I really liked. I did a lot of uh, the murder mystery kind of serial. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do like what's Dak Shepard's armchair expert. I like that one. Yeah. I've listened to a few others, but yeah, the, those were, those are the two big ones. And I just recently, I just did Root of All Evil. That was a good one. Ooh. I do kind of like, I, not... I don't really like scary stuff, but in podcasts. Me neither. I'm not really a murderer true crime. My sisters, like they cannot get enough of that, but it wasn't, but I have to say in the podcast, it really, yeah. Like I drove recently from Connecticut to Nashville because I moved here two weeks ago. And I was yeah. just like listening to that in the uh, kids. I had to make sure that yeah. like, <laughs> this is for mommy only. Off, I'm like, pause, 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 pause. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the time go fast. Well, like you mentioned, Dear Santa, your movie with Jason Priestley, also another teen idol heartthrob of mine, airs starting November 27th. Is that right? The day after right, so, Thanksgiving? At least not a dad is on December 21st. Okay. So even earlier. And then Dear Christmas is on November 27th. And then the one I produced right after that one was done, we went like a week later into Once Upon a Main Street starring Vanessa Lachey and Ryan McPartland, who's a cutie. And they're so funny. Vanessa is so funny in this movie, man. She is just, Aww. she's got some comedy chops, man. She's great. But they do Once Upon a Main Street and I think that's the 29th. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. Okay. Boom. I had no idea you had three. Oh my gosh. So watching holiday movies in my family is like a longstanding tradition. In fact, Thanksgiving night, we start with Polar Express. Oh, okay. Now I know what we're going to watch the next night. Dear Christmas, starring yeah. yours truly. How do you feel about having your, like, what you do for a living be such an integral part of so many people's holiday traditions? Well, look, I'm an entertainer, right? I mean, I got into this business to entertain people. I want people to smile, laugh, feel deeply, that kind of thing. And especially being a comic actress, mainly, you know, rom-coms and, and Christmas movies are sort of my jam. I mean, this is where the entertainment industry is kind of gone too, you know? Yeah. So for women my age and women that have been mainly known on television have these these big international followings, it's it's great to be able to put something out there every year that you just know is going to feel good, that you know, you, you know you're safe with. I would love for them to have a little bit more comedy, maybe a little more drama, a little bit more love triangle. But mm -hmm. I know that Lifetime has done the, ho the homework to find out that this is what people want. They want to feel good. They want to yeah. feel safe. Uh, look, I know a lot about magic because I played a witch for a long time and there's a Christmas magic that happens and people for, you know, a month or two get to feel really good or hopeful about things, even if things are going terrible in their lives. And this is the one thing that like is a steadfast now, you know, yeah. when you're making your cookies or you're sitting with your mother-in-law on the couch or you're, you know, whatever you're doing, wrapping gifts, sitting with your kids with hot cocoa in the afternoon on a, on a rainy or snowy afternoon, 
you can sit and watch these movies and you know that there's not going to be anything that your kids shouldn't be watching, that your husband won't like, that you might feel funny about. You know, it's really wholesome, good entertainment, which is hard to find these days. Yeah. And especially this year being so unusual with so many hard things. Like I used to be diehard, no Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving, but yeah. it's all coming out because oh, no, we all absolutely. need a little more joy and light and happiness absolutely. and cheer. No, I've been torn only because I want to keep some pumpkins out, but then I'm like, can I leave pumpkins out? Leave them on the front porch and then yeah. Christmas inside. Fall inside. outside, Christmas inside. That's my that's my strategy. <laughs> Will your family be gathering to watch you and Dear Christmas this season? I hope so. It's hard to get all five of us to sit and do anything together these days. <laughs> but unless it's like a movie like Elf, that one kind of okay. brings us all together, you know. Christmas vacation, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, no, I think they will absolutely watch it with me, especially because some of them are in it. So... Oh, really? But what's fun is I love being able to live tweet these movies with people. It gives me a chance to watch it in real time and comment Uh about... And kind of do the commentary. I was thinking about doing it, like, do a live Instagram story. Yes. And just sort of, like, have me kind of telling you what happened while we were shooting it and whatnot. I love that. My husband and I just watched My Cousin Vinny on TV and people throughout the movie would give commentary, just some extra background, like trivia. And I was like, I want to watch all my movies like this. I want more. So watching holiday movies, a tradition in our home, I know a tradition in lots of people's homes. Do you have any other holiday traditions in your family? Gosh, I feel like the whole season is traditions, right? I, I feel like, okay, so starting with getting the tree, When do you get the tree? Usually, it depends on where we are going to be and how long we're going to be there. So if we're Mm -hmm. leaving for Christmas, we try to get the tree a little earlier in in our home if we're not going to be here for Christmas. So we get a little more time of Christmas in our house. If we're going to our home in Lake Tahoe, you know, we do it immediately. Or if we go up there for Thanksgiving, we get it a a month before and then hope it doesn't die. That's the hard part. You know, here's the weird thing about, now tell me if I'm wrong about this and I need some mom advice. Are your kids too old for Elf on the Shelf? I never started Elf on the Shelf. Okay, so my son was like probably six when I discovered Elf on the Shelf. And I got one and I had two babies and then I had a third baby. And then I was told- and it was I was fun at first, right? And I was told, yeah, I was told three elves need to come. I was like, okay. Oh my but when three elves came, I was also told, you cannot just move them around the house. They have to do things. Mm-hmm. Make a mess and have snowball fights with marshmallows and end up in the toilet with Hershey Kisses and TP the whole living room and fly away yeah. on balloons. I was like- I'm sorry, what? Like, <laughs> I did not sign up for this. Like, there's fun, tons of Pinterest and whatnot. I, I have a going list of notes of things that these elves have done and should do. <laughs> However, nobody ever explained to me when they're supposed to show up. Like, what's the rule of them showing up? So I finally realized we had to come up with a rule of, like, when is our elf allowed to show up? Or our elves, we have three. And I finally, like, maybe a year or two ago, we finally went, okay, when the tree comes, the elf comes. That makes sense. So now I want to put the tree later. Then. Yeah, I don't blame you. That is a job. Oh, but luckily, I have some older kids that are helpful. Oh, they get in on it. That's so smart. As of last year for the first time ever. So that really helps, but you also have to trust that they remember. Keep their mouth shut. I know. And well, that. I, yeah. I have to say some of my best mom advice to, to new moms is don't start the elf. My mother-in-law asked, actually sent it to me and I didn't really get what it was all about. And a couple of years went by and then I started to see people posting about, I can't handle this elf is ruining my life. Although it is fun, but it's, it's just every night. It would be great if you could do it a few times, but between that wrapping cards, yeah. shopping, delivering, sending, mailing, like cooking, baking, decorating, you know, outsource it, outsource it to your teenager. 
done. <laughs> give them give them access to your Pinterest board. <laughs> Let them go to town. You mentioned cards. So do you send holiday cards? Oh, I yes, we've already got our card ready to go. I try to get my cards to me before Thanksgiving so that by December 1st I want everyone I want everyone to be so impressed with me that I want to be the first one in their mailbox. Nice. I also just want it done because yeah. I know that as December waxes on, like you're going to have more and more stuff and things that get pushed. And that's the one thing I send out like 350 cards. Everyone I've ever worked with or no, even if I don't have their phone number or their email address, I have their address. I am the same way. I, I've got a very long list and people that I haven't seen or talked to in yeah. maybe 20 and years, like, but I'm not breaking that chain. No, that's the thing. And if you feel like you don't send it, you know, I'm like, I feel like they'll be disappointed. So I really feel a lot of pressure to send all 350 cards. So I try to get that off my plate before the holidays really begin so that when the parties come up and everything else, I don't have to. And I also try to get my kids involved with the stick it in the, like I always get the address put on the back of the envelope. So that's done. But I also have the stamper. So that would be easy enough. But it's like, I try to get one kid to stick them in, one kid to lick the envelope and one kid to put the stamp on. Then I got to sit there and write the addresses, which Mm -hmm. is... The hardest you know, part of it all. I kind of like that part though, because then you think about that person individually as you're doing it. Like in the years where I've just printed off labels, like off my printer, it's like, oh, I didn't have that moment to sit and think yeah, about that that's person. Yeah, about that person. I know because mm-hmm. I miss writing, actually ca- writing cards. Well, I'm not writing anything this year because my hand's in a cast. What <laughs> I, had have, I had to have surgery. Get this. My doctor said it was an overuse injury from house cleaning. It's an injury most commonly seen in house cleaners. So you bet I'm taking that to the bank. Well, yeah, I was going to say, was it that or was it <laughs> or, like you're using the kids' Nintendo Switch? Or whatever. Or... I'm going with the house cleaning thing. Okay. But I love your tip to outsource help on the Christmas cards. Now, what about getting a family photo? What's the trick of getting a good family photo with three boys? I started threatening them. So here's what I've started saying. I'm like, listen, first of all, I will take you to Walmart and pick out one little gift if you do this. But I said, mm-hmm. here's the thing. The more you struggle and don't smile, the longer this is going to take. So we can do this in one hour or we can do this in four hours. So if you guys all stand there nice, keep your shirt straight, smile nicely and look at the camera, no matter what the dog is doing or your brother's doing or I'm doing, you keep looking at the camera and smiling, this will be over. So the oldest one is actually the last two years in a row. He's smiling great in it. The middle one is the one who usually has a beautiful smile and is really easygoing is now like in every picture, kind of like looking off, not smiling. He's like, I am smiling. Like, that's not a smile. smile. The little one is the question mark. He is like, he's eight, but he acts like he's like four, two-year-olds. He is a handful and trying to get him to hold still. Every picture is him like, "Ah," or holding on to me or hanging off or hiding behind somebody or... Okay, we well, some, a dog involved and it's a whole nightmare. Sometimes those are the best photos though. Maybe get that one perfect where everyone's looking in the front and have filled the back with all the outtakes. Of- I did have to have one where he, we did one on the side of a fence at a farm and I actually posted one where we were sitting nicely and smiling. But then the one that actually went on our card was he's hanging off of a fence upside down. <laughs> I love I think it. My husband had covered my eyes or something and, you know, and then the other kid is like looking off board and like, you know, so that was the one that actually made it. That's the real awesome. personalities come out. I love that. I love the real. In fact, we have a we have a character at Chatbooks called the Real Mom. She does a lot of our um, advertisement showing what mom life really looks like. Yeah. And you know, in your career, you've always had characters that were really relatable and real. And and I love that. I also love a good blooper. And I'm wondering oh. if you can get real with us right now and share a memorable blooper. I will tell you on Clarissa, a lot of the bloopers, sadly, because I was young. I have a potty mouth. It's one of the things people <laughs> know about me. A lot of the bloopers are me 
just messing up my line. Those scenes were so long on Clarissa. I had like two to four page monologues, four times an episode. And then we'd have 10 page scenes of dialogue, usually just me and another character. And so it was a lot to learn, a lot of memorizing. And if we didn't get it right, we had to start at the top and go again, especially the monologues. There was no editing. And when we first started Clarissa, there was no editing at all. So you had to get it right from the beginning to the end. And it was a nightmare. And I, if, so if I messed up, I knew like, this is just, this just added 30 minutes to our day, you know, that kind of thing. And so I started cursing a lot. (laughs) So there's a lot of bloopers of me cursing in Clarissa as like a little 16 year old. Yeah. Sassy pants. But on Sabrina, most of the outtakes on Sabrina are the cat. The, yeah. the live cat, because we had the animatronic cat and the live cat. It's the live cat misbehaving. It's the live cat going after the food or not wanting to be in your arms or scratching you and jumping out, you know. Yeah, out I can see that. That kind of thing. We had a lot of animal bloopers in general because we had a lot of animals on the show. We had yeah. an alligator attack our sofa. I think we had a panther get loose on the set. I wasn't oh allowed on the set that day because of the panther, so I'm not sure what happened, but I, I know everybody was supposed to get to high ground. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Panther on the loose. You know, so a lot of our bloopers had to do with animals for sure on Sabrina. Okay. Speaking of cats, I am curious, are you a cat person working with cats for so many years? No, you were, but you're not. I grew up with a cat named Sissy for Uh a very long time. The cat lived to be like 18, lived in my dad's home, my childhood home, you know, most of my childhood and and part of my adult life, you know, if I see animals, I'm like, oh, cute. I don't, I don't get attached. I don't take it all in. I don't go, oh, they're fuzzy and adorable. I don't want to die. I don't don't get involved. I have my dog who's great. Cleo. I traded in a a black cat for a black dog. Oh, I think a dog is a better pet for kids. My 14 year old daughter, she has a cat and that cat only cares about her. They have this weird little relationship, but a dog, you know, <laughs> a dog is a good family. Yeah, cat. I had a pet duck growing up. We had pet bunnies, but yeah, right when I got Sabrina, when I was about 20, 22 was about when I think my cat died, but she was an outdoor cat. Never really wasn't a cuddler. You just kind of see her walk through the house and have to remember to feed her and let her out sometimes or let her back in at night. But she was a, she was a loner. She was tough. She was a tough old bitty. And then I went on to work on Sabrina with like 10 or 12 cats and the whole set smelled like cat food the wet kind kind oh no no i draw the line at wet food we do not do it's all over it's underneath the table it's on this you have to put it on your shoulder so they'll jump up and lick you you know whatever it was it's like this cat food was everywhere so i just smelled that i've never eaten tuna fish sandwiches in my life because of it (laughs) um i've so i'm I'm just not really i mean i think cats are great and if i had a cat i'd probably adore it but um i'm definitely a dog person now okay let's talk about your boys Okay. You've got three boys. Oldest is a teenager. Youngest is eight. Do they have any aspirations to follow in your footsteps? Because it is a tough discipline, right? Like I've, I don't, I don't want to be a stage mom. I don't want to have to try to teach them their lines, drag them out of school, get them dressed the right way, coach them through what to do or how to say it and get them in there and audition. I couldn't even get my son to sit with his tutor yesterday. He was screaming and yelling and pretending to bite me. And I was like, well, that's great. (laughs) That looks fantastic. I can't wait to try to drag you into an audition where you have to pretend that, you know, uh, this cereal is your favorite when it's really the other kind of cereal you like, you know, I think also like child actors tend to be people pleasers. My kids are not people pleasers. They're tough. They're, they're tough personalities. They're strong, independent, very much like I want to do it my way kind of kids. Mm -hmm. So it's very different from me who was like, (gasps) I want to make you smile. I want to make you laugh. I want to, what can I do to make, to, you know, help you out today? You know, that kind of thing. So, but they're, they, 
at least two of them have their father's ear for music. So I think they'll be, and the middle one is very creative um, artistically. So I think that they'll be amazing artists in some way, but I don't, they won't be through acting. Yeah. The middle one, maybe. Sometimes when we're at teacher conferences, the things they say, I'm like banging my head on the table. Literally, I've done it. Where I'm like, oh, he's going to be an actor. Just because they describe him as having like this, he can turn on different personalities and sort of yeah. convince teachers that he doesn't know what's going on by looking at the shiny thing over here. You know, he's very good at distracting. Maybe he'll be a magician. I don't yeah. know. Or maybe he'll he'll blossom into acting when he's older and you don't have to do the whole mom. That could be it. (laughs) You know, someone who like figures it out later on because they really want to do it and they've seen it and they've been around it and now they get it, you know? Yeah. And they are interested in the craft, not just all of the other stuff that comes with it. Is there anything that you learned growing up that you are wanting to instill in your kids, like a life lesson or, you know, something that you're super mindful of? hardest thing, right? I feel like my parents did a really good job and maybe it was just the time period. Maybe it was them. Maybe it was because there were five of us and they didn't have enough time to spend on any one of us, but we were really not spoiled. We were, we were raised with practically nothing. My parents came from very modest means. They got married very young. My mom was a teenage mom with me. Well, for one week, then she turned 20. (laughs) They had five kids in 10 years. So by the time my mom was 30, she had five kids living on my dad's fisherman salary, you know, and it definitely wasn't easy. We didn't have everything handed to us. We really knew the value of things. We knew that going to Disneyland with my grandparents or Disney World with my grandparents was a huge thing. Going skiing for a week in Pennsylvania was a huge deal. And we had to go from the time that mountain opened till it closed because we had gotten Christmas skis or something. And we had that one week of yeah. February break to go ski. And so we really valued, I feel like I really appreciated the time I got at Disney, at Pennsylvania. And I'm watching my friends go off to trips to Hawaii and Paris and, and I'm not able to do all that. And I just want to, but my grandparents would explore the world and I really wanted to see the world because they did. So it was my goal to do certain things like go to Paris someday or make it to Italy or go to Tahiti and, and really travel the world and just explore different things. And I, I try to give that to my kids, but I'm also, I feel, I feel like I'm failing miserably yeah. because they're a little spoiled. Cause I, they've already been to like 17 countries. They've already spent time in Wales, Italy, Portugal, all over Australia. They've been in more parts of Australia than a lot of Australians are like, wow, you've seen more of Australia than I have. Fiji, Tahiti, like they've just been to these amazing places and I really wanted to instill kind of, they've been to Zambia. Like I, I want them to know, they've been on mission trips to Zambia. I want them to like know about how the other people live or are raised or what they eat or how they, you know, sleep or go to school and just be like little global wanderers. But at the same time, I'm afraid maybe I'm spoiling them by doing this so young and not making them fight for, I had to fight to get my first plane ticket when I was 18 to go to Paris. Right. You know, I had to get it as a birthday present and go away for a month on a bicycle, (laughs) ride a bike around in order to like see the country, you know? So I just, I'm afraid that I'm not able to kind of teach them. Well, you can't, I don't know if you can teach empathy, you know? I, I mean, I think my kids are very empathetic or they were when they were younger and I'm worried as they're getting older and transitioning. I don't know if it's normal teenage stuff or they're little spoiled brats. I actually think the traveling that you're doing is helping teach empathy because if you just stay in your bubble all the time and you don't get out and see like that the world is a big and beautiful and can sometimes be a scary yeah. place and see how different pe- people live. I think what you're doing is awesome. I hope so. But it also really worries me. Like we went to Zambia on this amazing world vision trip. We spent four days in like rural Southern Zambia 
way out beyond any technology, beyond any electricity, beyond any, I mean, there were no cars. We were the only cars on the road. It's ox carts and bicycles if they had them and women carrying babies on their backs and maybe babies on the front and a bag of rice on their head. Like, I mean, it was- Talk about super mom. Oh, we were way, bit, they're barefoot walking on dirt road. It was wow. just insane the things we saw. And my, we only took my oldest one because we didn't think the other ones could handle it just yet. And I was really worried for him, like going there, I prayed really hard. Like, are we going to bring him back? And he's not gonna be able to sleep at night because he's like, I get hot water, hot food, a shower, like a mattress to sleep on toys, iPads. Like I get these, I get lights to at night. Like, is he ever going to be able to sleep again? Knowing there's other children in the world that are sleeping on the ground in the dirt on a cold, rainy night with empty bellies, you know, no toothbrush to brush, like, you know, no dentist to go to when they have tooth pain, that kind of thing. But he really, really took to the fact, and I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, that they were smiling all the time. Every time we walked into a village, they were mm. dancing, they were beating the drums and they're dancing with us and they would pray for us. And they would say, we are just so thankful you came all this way just to see us. And they had these huge, beautiful smiles. Yeah. And I mean, I've never seen people smile so much as I did in Zambia. And he came away going, they're happy. They're actually happy. They they're, they're thankful when it rains. They're thankful when their goats give milk. They're thankful when they have crops that grow. They're thankful when someone sends them a bicycle. Like they're really happy and really grateful and really thankful when little things happen. And he's like, and I wouldn't want to take that away from them by introducing them to other things that they don't have. Right. It was an interesting. Well, and also when he's having a hard time at home, surrounded by all the comforts that you just described and he's having a bad day or things aren't going his way maybe he'll think back to those children and realize, you know what, I can be happy in spite of the fact that I didn't make the basketball team I wanted to or whatever, you know. Well, I can tell you're super mindful and conscientious and sound like an amazing mother. I actually, as you were describing your childhood with your pet ducks and, and such, it sounded a lot like my childhood. I'm the oldest of 12. Oh, so, really? Oh, that's right. And you yeah. know, after, after five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it, it doesn't matter. It's like a lot of kids. So. My mom always said after two, it doesn't matter. You have, you have <laughs> Me two. too. And so then you got it. Then it's all a juggling act after that. Totally, totally. But I, it's interesting how I also was a bit of a people pleaser. You know, you just want like, I don't Were know. You if the that's oldest, like, oldest, yes. Yeah. We have to take care of the others, right? So yeah, exactly. And my sister's laughing right now. My sister slash producer just got a big laugh at that because <laughs> I do claim that I basically raised some of my siblings. I and everyone I gets a laugh. Me and my, my older, the, the other one that is older the one right underneath me, we both say we raised the other ones. Well, so I'm curious. I know that my experience in a big family has really impacted the way I mother my own children. Do you see something that you learned growing up in your family that has impacted the way you mother? You know, I feel like I've gone a little bit of uh, the opposite, not intentionally, but out of maybe necessity or laziness. My mom made us like dust and vacuum every Saturday, but we also had to eat scrambled eggs every Sunday. Okay. And we didn't eat scrambled eggs the other days of the week. My kids eat scrambled eggs almost every day, but my husband cooks. I don't cook. Oh, lucky. There's a lot of things I don't do that I wish I did that my parents did. But in a way, it's just, it doesn't work for our family. We travel so much. We're moving around constantly. We're never on a regular schedule. Like when I was growing up, it was like school, you know, get home from school, do homework, watch a TV show or a movie, get ready for bed, do, you know, go to bed. Same thing the next day. Mom makes dinner. We clean up dinner, you know, that kind of thing. It wasn't like our lives are like 
every weekend we're somewhere else or every day is very different. And with everybody having different sports and stuff, we're just constantly trying to figure out where that next meal is coming from. Like, where are yeah. we going? Are we, are you cooked? Did you, did we leftovers? Uh, <laughs> it, you know, like, should we just go did, out? Did anyone take, feed the children? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Chick-fil-A again? I can't. Sounds like so, my you house. know, it's, I'm not like my mom planned meals, had five kids at a time in a household, even though there were eight total, but like, I, I don't, I, I couldn't do what she did. It's, I have three and I'm losing my mind. It's a different time, Melissa. It's a different time. That's what I say. It's a different time. That's what my mom says too. My mom will come visit. And I mean, I have seven kids and granted that is a lot, but she will be like, I have seven. Oh my oldest of 12. And my mom will, you know, she's comes to spend time with us and she's like, I don't know how you do this. (laughs) And I'm like, what? You had 12, but she will say it is a different time. We're raising kids in a different world. I asked my mom the same thing, like at Disneyland last year, we went to Disneyland for my son's birthday. He was turning seven at the time. My kids are throwing a fit. Like, I want that Buzz Lightyear backpack or whatever. I'm like, it, we just walked in the gate. Can we at least go on some rides? Maybe at the end, if you guys behave, if everyone stays together, nobody gets lost, you know, we can get something at the gift shop on the way out, but I'm not carrying it around Disneyland all day or whatever. I, or maybe they didn't deserve it, whatever it was. And they're like throwing a fit. And it was, I got told this is the worst day ever. And I looked at my mother and I was like, did I ever say that at Disney? And she's like, Never once. You were so grateful to be there. You were so happy. You held onto that stroller and you walked alongside. And what ride did you? And we had, and like, I don't, my kids don't have to wait in line because I've worked for Disney for so long. They get to skip all the lines. And yet it's the worst day ever. I'm like, oh, really? You want to know about the worst? Let's go wait on the line (laughs) and see how you like that. And other kids think that that's the best day ever. Right. And you are like acting like a little spoiled brat, you know? And I asked my mom, like, how, what did I do wrong? Like, what did I do? Yeah, it's it's not you. I, I have recently realized I will have to take a little responsibility for, I feel like Clarissa Explains It All might be the first show I can really think of where the children thought they were smarter than the adults. Uh, and it you started set that trend, trend. <laughs> that I can't I'm always stand. like, these shows on TV these days where these kids think they can talk oh. back and they think that they're smarter than the adults and they are actually the way it's written. And, and then I was thinking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, that goes back to Clarissa. Like Clarissa was really smart. Her brother was pretty savvy. Her friend Sean or Sam was really, like he was clever in his own way. And the parents were kind of buffoons. So it's like, maybe I helped generate this kind of thing where now all the shows are these kids watching these other kids be sassy, talk back, you know? And I feel like I did a little of this, like Mm -hmm. a little responsible. Well, you can undo it because as you're talking, I'm thinking about how, as we are raised in our families, like as kids, you just kind of follow directions, right? You're the actor, let's say it. And then as a parent, you become the director. Mm -hmm. So now I know you're doing a lot more directing in your career. And so you're on that side of it more. You see how you have more control to shape the vision that you want yeah, yeah. 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 That's a good analogy. I like that. I like that. I hadn't thought of that. I was thinking more about my kids taking advantage of me. No, no, you, you are in charge of them. You're smarter than they are. <laughs> you know them better than they know themselves. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. You know, I actually got really great advice when my 14 year old was entering sixth grade, we were having so much trouble getting him to do his homework. And we went to see a family therapist who gave us some really great advice. She said, he is going through a time right now where he doesn't know if he's a little boy or a big boy. And he doesn't know what he wants to be. He doesn't know what he is and he doesn't know what he wants to be. So it is your job to just treat him like a little boy. You should not be treating him like he's an 18 year old or even a 16 year old. 
You treat him like he's your little baby boy. And ever since I did that, it really changed our dynamic. I mean, it didn't fix everything. But our relationship is definitely a lot nicer because I'll chase him around sometimes and go, oh, there's my baby. Come here, give me kisses. I want to spank your cheeks. I'm going to spank your little butt. You know, stuff like that. And he's like, mom, stop. But, you know, he doesn't really push me away. He just sort of like, yeah. if I go, come here, I'm going to give you a hug. And he just sort of stands there like he's not partaking, but he's not fighting it. No, you know, it's not like he's a, loving you know, it. You know? He's loving he's, it. He's loving it. Even though he doesn't want to say it. My husband's like, you're embarrassing. I'm like, oh, well, no, mm-hmm. he didn't run away. Mm-hmm. He didn't move. Yeah. He standing right here, letting me hug him. So, yeah. and then yesterday out of nowhere, he goes, I love you, mommy. And I was like, oh, wow. Those are precious words. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know because these kids are growing up so fast and to the outside world, they do have to put on this like big, I'm tough, grown up. I know everything, even though they they're scared to death because they don't. And then I think also they, just by the way they look like my teenagers look adult and Every time I start to expect them to behave like adults, I get frustrated. We get into a fight. That is such great advice. Well, I think about it. He's like, he's in ninth grade. And I'm thinking about the things I did in ninth grade and the way I felt in ninth grade and how independent I felt in ninth grade. But then you think 14, that's actually really young. That's not like 16, I think is a whole different ballgame. But 14 is still a baby. Yeah. No. And even though ninth grade sounds different than 14 does, they're still babies. They are babies. And they need they need that guidance. And I, and I'm trying to make sure I give it to him, but you know, what's really tough for me actually is I have a great relationship with him. I feel like I can connect with him and talk to him. And the little one still sleeps in our bed. And I basically wipe his butt still. Don't tell my kids that. But, <laughs> He's um, your baby. Yeah. It's okay. I had one of those too. <laughs> definitely the baby, <laughs> but the middle one gets lost in the shuffle and it breaks my heart a little bit. Like he intentionally is really good. Like I said, the magic show thing, like Oh, go, oh, look, Mason's um, eating what you told him not to. And Tucker's, you know, about to fall in the pool. I'll see you later. You know, and he backs off and, and I just, he disappears. And I never get that moment with him. And I feel like I'm constantly chasing that moment with my middle child of like trying not to let him disappear in the background, even though he's trying to do that and he wants to do that, but just try to connect with him. And I'm having a hard time with that. As you're talking, I'm thinking about like one of my mom hacks. It is to set a timer on my phone to hug my children. And it sounds uh, crazy. Oh my gosh, that's because... like controls. <laughs> really? Is that controls? They have. A, they all have watches, and when they beep, you have to hug somebody. Really? Oh my gosh! See, I, that I've never seen that movie, and I, I I've been that. claiming this as my own. Yeah, they probably got it from you. I'm sure okay. they did. <laughs> I love that. Um, no, when they're little, they they literally climb all over you. They're climbing in your lap. They're just begging to be hugged. But as they get older and they're trying to grow up and distance yeah. a little bit, yeah, they, they will pull away. And I'm not naturally super affectionate. So I literally need that reminder. And an eight-second hug has been proven scientifically to lower cortisol, to increase good feelings, to reduce anxiety. It like literally cures everything. You know, it's funny. It, my middle child has been grabbing onto me and not letting go recently in an interesting mm. way. And then he'll say things like, I love you. And you didn't say you love me either. And I was like, I do love you. I love you more than you love me. And he's like, that's impossible. And you didn't even say it first. And I'm like, he gets very sensitive sometimes. Oh, sounds like it. But he's been holding on to me like really tight, but you're right. That's Eight like- second hugs. And I wonder if, cause we moved, he like needs that a little bit more. Oh, for sure. He's a really social being too. And he doesn't have any friends here yet. So. Oh, it'll come. Okay. So uh, you've just described like every mom's dilemma, trying to meet all the needs of all of the people that you are in charge of caring for. I can't even imagine seven, 12. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. But then add on to that work and your your relationship with your partner and hobbies or any any other interests. In our Mom Force Facebook group, I see over and over again women asking for help and advice. Like, how do we? How are we supposed to do it all? How how do you balance it all? And I think balance is actually a curse word. I hate that word because it's it is it's it's a tough word. I know. I hear it. I kind of go oh cringe. But what advice do you have for women who are trying to juggle all of the things? Oh my. My number one would be my calendar. Yeah. Um, keeping my calendar really organized, sharing it with my husband or, you know, sometimes with the babysitter. So everybody knows who needs to be picked up, when, where, where they're going, what's the location, what time, when's it over, that kind of thing. If I don't have my calendar, like I forgot my son had tutoring yesterday because I didn't put in my calendar. And I was yep. like, Darn I forget it. to pick up my preschoolers day after day oh, after yeah. day because oh, I didn't put it in my calendar. Alarm. So I have the alarm set too. And my alarms, I wonder if I have them all on right now. Each one is set for a different sound yeah. so that, see, look, I have numerous, here's uh, Tucker leaves for school, tutoring, yes, um, yes. handover electronics, wakey, wakey. And yeah, we're like the same. We're the same. They get, like, school bus, <laughs> school bus showing up is the dog bark or like a whistle <laughs> for um, the tutors coming or so, you know, so different things. So between alarms, calendar, and every night before I go to bed, I look at first the month ahead, the week ahead, and then the the day, the next day. So by the time I go to bed, it's all, I can't go to bed without doing my homework, without learning my lines for the next day, doing my shot list when I'm directing. But I need to um, also look at the next day and just know what's the first thing, what's the second thing, what's the, I'll figure it out from there. But, you know, at least just knowing what I'm waking up for, what kid needs a water bottle in their backpack, what kid needs a lunch, what kid needs money for a snack after, who's going to what sport, you know, that kind of thing, if sports are happening when they happen again. But those are big things. Another thing is just letting go of something. Like sometimes it it's like, it's okay. Let it go. I know that's my theme yeah. song. Let it yeah. go. <laughs> but like my, you know, my son right now is fighting me about doing piano lessons and he's really talented and he doesn't do a music instrument at school. So I feel like he should be doing piano, but maybe that can wait a few more weeks, you know, maybe that can wait until around the holidays when um, things kind of slow down for him school-wise and he can do some Yeah, just take lessons. a break. He's not off the hook. You're just going to take I don't a break. Fight, I don't want to fight him mm-hmm. on that right now, but I keep it in the calendar for later on, you know? Also just enlisting other people. I'm really good at designating, kind of like um, delegating mm-hmm. and being like, like we just found this great babysitter who's in college right now around the corner but she's not, she's virtually in school. So she's just doing the pickups for us after school. Cause my three now go to three different private schools. So they all have to be picked up. And then like today, because I'm doing a day of interviews, I need them to stay out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> so she's taking them to do something. So she spends like three hours with them a few times a week. And it just gives us a little bit more time to get done what we need to get done with our move. Yeah. Cause um, it's or- impossible to do everything. There's no way you, Melissa Joan Hart could do all that's required of you in your career, in your home, well, if I, if I'm with my kids constantly, which I want to be, but then the meals fall apart, then we don't have dinner and then we're all struggling to have dinner. And then the kids are late to bed. And then tomorrow's a disaster because everyone's tired and, yeah. you know, yeah, outsource so it, delegate it, hire to, it out. Honestly, like finding a nearby, like a mommy's helper, uh, uh, you know, my 12 year old would be more than happy if anyone lives in our area to <laughs> come over and like watch your kids while you're in the house, getting your, whatever you need to get done. He'll just entertain the kids for a few hours, you know? Or these college kids right now that are not in school that could use a few extra bucks to just help shuttle the kids around to stuff or or even just take them outside on the trampoline and go jump or something, you know, whatever, go for a run, take the dog for a walk, whatever. I'm only saying like a babysitter because I just moved here and I don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. But when I was back in Connecticut, I had all my friends to help out, you know? Mm-hmm. I could easily say and sign my kids up with 
other parents for flag football, for soccer, for whatever, and be like, listen, you drive there. I'll pick up, send me video. If the kid does anything cool, I'll get the coffees, <laughs> you know, you get dinner and blah, 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 blah. You know, I want to write a book called how to make friends after 40, because after yes. you're out of preschool, it is so hard to make friends yes. in preschool parking lot. Yeah. Having no play groups. I mean, all my best friends I met in that's your village. Yeah. That's where your village comes from. Right. That playground, that, pl- that preschool parking lot, because it's like, you're all kind of there, like, uh, now what? Half, <laughs> half awake, kind of dazed. You're like, I got to pick these kids back up in like two and a half hours. Okay. You pick them up. I'll go get donuts. I'll meet you at the field. And then we'll go do blah, 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 blah. We'll go to the aquarium or we'll go for a walk in the park. What, what, you know, and, and, and so it's hard to navigate friendships when you get a little older and your kids are in school. And, but I, I think it's really important to lean on your friends, lean on your family. If they're, if you're lucky enough to have them nearby, like you have a huge family. So, and you have older kids that can help out now too. Kind of like I know. My, and that is kind of nice when your older kids get old enough to watch the younger ones for a little while. So you can like sneak out. For that's, we've finally gotten to the point where we're like, we can escape down the street for a quick dinner if mm-hmm. the oldest one is here and there's no knives around. Oh, that's a game changer. Okay, yeah. Keep the knives hidden. Keep the knives away. Okay. I like that book. Friends after 40. Write that book. I will yeah. buy it. That's another topic that comes up a lot on our Mom Force Facebook group is how to make friends when you're in the throes of motherhood. And especially now when you know, play groups aren't happening and all the social oh. library groups and all those things aren't sports, happening. YMCA, know, so yeah, no. Melissa, you're amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like we are sisters. The I know, you, right? The way we have you a mother and parent and you actually are living my dream career. Well, and you know what? Congratulations on chapbooks and all that. I like, I am a huge, I like to think of myself as a major scrapbooker. I actually bought this house because it has a scrapbooking room. <gasps> But to be honest, I'm probably not going to really, I have to finish their first year albums and then I'll be kind of done with that. So I'm going to be calling you up to get some. Okay. I'll get you chat booking like a pro. I know. I'd love it. You're awesome. Okay. (laughs) Well, so tell us quickly, where can people find you this winter and all the movies that you're in? And I will post everything on my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, which is all Melissa Joan Hart. And then we've got first Felice Navidad, which I directed, which is coming out on Life. These are all on Lifetime. Uh, That's on the 21st. And then Dear Christmas, which I'm in, is on the 27th. I think yep. I'm getting this right. No, and Once right. Upon a Main Street that I directed with Vanessa Lachey, that she's just brilliant and funny. And so you got to watch this movie. It's so sweet. Um, on the 29th. So, and I'm sure they're going to rerun over and over and over again. Forever and, for years and years to come. Yes. And if you want to go back and find some of the old ones, there's SantaCon, Very Nutty Christmas, A Very Merry Toy Store, uh, Holiday in Handcuffs is out there somewhere, Christmas Reservations. So we have some wow. really good, fun ones that I'm really proud of. And I hope you guys enjoy the season and happy holidays. Yay, you too. All right, follow Melissa on Instagram. She'll update on all things fun. You get to I see will behind tell the you, I will make sure you do not miss it. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right, thank you so much and happy holidays. Thank you, you too, to all of your giant family. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group. And check out the show notes for a special Chapbooks discount code. Until next time.